Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and writing teacher Jessica. Uh, and joining us, community organized socialist Kenny Cepeda. <laughs> we are online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our blog in the, in the episode notes. You can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and at ZPKE on Instagram. And just his Twitter handle as at jhomey 18 uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notes, turn on your notifications, and share your pivot episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. I have marbles in my mouth today. It seems like uh, right. If anyone is watching, since we have viewers and we have listeners, but for our viewers, if anyone is seeing the video at this moment, we have Kenny on, <laughs> which is the topic of our discussion today. <laughs> Uh, where has Kenny been? What can Kenny have been up to? <laughs> and who's seated next to Kenny? <laughs> uh, welcome, Kenny. It's great to see you. I hope that we can have this chance to uh, catch up with you. I know I've missed you. Andy, Jess has missed you. We've been thinking about you, and we expect that you'll share your journey with us <laughs> since the last time you've been on. Uh, and also, if uh, we can welcome Cristal. Hi, Cristal. Hey. <laughs> Kenny's uh, partner, but more than just uh, his partner, which I'm sure we'll also get to know Cristal in this episode. And uh, I hope that you'll share with us as much as you want, as much as you've also, uh, both of you have gone on this journey since you've last left San Francisco and now live currently in, where is it exactly? If you can share. The Central Valley of California. <clears throat> And so, I, I missed you all, by the way, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm glad to be here and I hope I can return at some point, but we'll share why, you know, it's hard to do the, to do the episodes right now for me. Um, and, but yeah, just back to. Yeah. Well, let's let's start off with just the basic questions. I guess, Andy, you can ask the first one. I think we can uh, start off with some things that we'd like to share with the audience. Well. First off, um, I definitely want to, I was definitely <clears throat> looking forward to get here, uh, hearing what was up with Kenny and sharing that with our What's Left audience. But Cristal, can you tell us like a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to our audience? Because we know you're important to Kenny. We're becoming friends with you and um, let, our, let our folks know what, what you're about and why you're here today. Uh, well, um, so I'm originally from the Central Valley from a small town called Livingston. Um, and I moved to the Bay Area when I was 19 and I lived there for almost 12 years. So I've made a very drastic change alongside Kenny, um, recently by moving out of the Bay Area and coming back to a place where quite frankly, I never thought that I would come back to. Um, but, uh, during my like decade in the Bay Area, I, I mean, I was a working class young person. Um, but I, I am like a former organizer. I, um, was organizing along a lot of the circles that Kenny was organizing with. Um, and I'm also, I think I could, it's safe to say, uh, hopefully well, not fun with a retired nonprofit worker. <laughs> uh, I don't think I would go back that route, um, unless I had no other option. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. Uh, very basic, but um, 
and yeah, now I'm I'm here at this stage in my life, and I am pregnant. We're expecting a baby. Uh, very excited. Uh, <laughs> we're seven months, and uh, just excited to, you know, navigate this part of our lives together, and also, uh, you know, a little like anxious, I guess, about like what's to come, and you know what it means to raise a child in this world, uh, you know, where things are at now, uh, in this environment specifically also, um, you know, we've, I'm relearning, I'm learning. I don't have really a community here outside of my family. Um, all my friends are in the Bay area. Like, so, um, you know, it's, it it's going to take some time, I think, to kind of get a better sense because, you know, things have changed here as well. I don't know exactly everything uh, about like the culture, like where people stand with stuff. Things have definitely moved in different directions. And so um, it's going to be interesting kind of learning, you know, what that means also for, for our child. And I just wanted to add one thing that we planned to move before we found out we were pregnant. So that, that was a decision yeah. already in, 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 in progress and, we found it to be a blessing in disguise, you know, because like we, I don't think we we can think of raising a kid in the Bay, in San Francisco, especially in the, under the circumstances that drove us away from it. Uh, it would have been impossible. And uh, I mean, know. people do it, right? Like, but I think you know we had the opportunity uh, to come here, which is a massive blessing. We had us the space, you know, and um, we had to kind of really take that into consideration and like he said you know then once we found out that there was a baby in the picture we we were just like you know screw the jobs screw screw everything you know we're already miserable here for a million reasons and uh we just needed to get out and i think i know some of the reasons that kenny because kenny loved san francisco at one point in time and why he became miserable of it um what, what about you like did you love San Francisco and what were your reasons for it becoming miserable for you? Um, yeah. I, I loved San Francisco. I mean, I still, part of me will always love San Francisco, the Bay area. I owe absolutely so much to that environment, that city, the people. Um, I cannot imagine myself without that part of my life. You know, it's so uh, instrumental. Um, I've, been the most free in San Francisco. I've learned the most in San Francisco. Uh, I've also lived in Oakland uh, briefly, but I have, and you know, just the Bay Area in general, absolutely was necessary for for me. I think as a person. Um, but as time went on, you know, you know, you get older, and it, it's hard. It's hard to to have to just you know play the game of the hamster wheel, right? Like of paying rent and then that's it. And then I think things really, really solidified for me once the pandemic started, everything changed. Just, I think my, I changed, um, but also seeing how the city was changing, um, you know, it, it just was no longer the place that was the sanctuary for me. That was the environment that allowed me to thrive or that I saw, you know, people, loved ones, neighbors, <clears throat> coworkers, like it was really hard. Um, so I think it got just to the point where 
I found myself like pretty unbelievably being like, wow, I don't think that I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. Like, you know, whereas before I would have fought tooth and nail, you know, to have me, it happened there. I'm curious about this because the the question of raising a kid or bringing a child into the world has come up on what's left. And Jessica's like, no, I would definitely bring a kid into the world. And Eduardo's like, no, let's not, you know, not do that kind of thing. I would not do that. (laughs) Obviously y'all are choosing to do it. But how do you feel about it? Like, I think we're all seeing a very troubling world in the future. But can you say a little bit about how you feel about being parents at this moment? Is it conflicted, not conflicted? I'm just curious. And maybe if I can add to that question, it was unplanned is what you're saying. No. Oh, okay. We wanted to. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not. It wasn't. Oh, I, I did no, it, it's we we actually talked about this last night. Um, but oh, okay. I don't think we, like, I have never seen myself not being a parent like being a parent was always part of my plans um you know we that's what you know yesterday I asked like what she thought about you know this attitude right a lot of people don't want to have a kid and like how do we and, and it's an increasing thing right and not to place judgment but like just what we make of it why you know why is this happening and so but do you want to speak about your well yeah I mean I I feel like there's <clears throat> Again, I'm maybe just acting out of like, you know, my understanding of the world because of like what the Bay Area has like made my understanding of the world be. But I mean, at least like in the Bay, like there's so many people who are, you know, in their 30s, 40s and don't have kids yet um, or probably won't. Uh, Whereas like I think like growing up, the idea was like, I mean, I, I thought growing up here, like. By the time I'm 24, I'm going to have my bachelor's, I'm going to have a house, I'm going to pay my dad's house, I'm going to have a car, and I'm going to have a kid. You know, like, and I laugh at that now. Like, that's, no, that's just not the reality. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that come into play. Like, it's a very different world. You know, my parents are both immigrants. And even then, like, the way that things were at that place in time and the support that my dad had, like, his he's he has many brothers and so they had some of them had already migrated here they had it was just a different world like owning a home was a a different reality like um I also talked to him about like the, the culture is just different um in general like you know I think people were perhaps maybe more religious um and just like so that also comes into play like um and then also you know it's really just it's really hard it's really hard when like you're you know just in survival mode or trying to figure out you know where you're going to take your laundry in the barracks you don't have a washer dryer um and then also I think there's a lot of people who think like you know the world there's not enough resources uh it's overpopulated or like, why would I do this? Like, this is going to be harmful to, you know, so there's like a million factors. And I think, but I, I do think in general, like, at least from like the people that I know, a lot of people either want kids, but just like, that's not going to happen because like they, they don't have the means to, they don't, or they don't want kids because like they don't have the means to, or they just don't have that I don't know if I'm making any sense no, right now. But. I think it's a great point. And like just overall, I think we do have 
certain concerns about raising our kid. Um, yeah. Not that, um, you know, we do have a support system. That's another thing to to make clear. We have a support system here. We've had a, the support of our parents, our my mother, my brother. Uh, and, and so in some ways, a lot easier than we imagined it would be for other people. It's still hard, you know, like uh, trying to think about health insurance, trying to think about education, vaccines, no vaccines, you know, the all those things that we talked on what's left, you know, technology. And we've had a plenty of these conversations. Um, and, you know, Cristal has been in the background in a lot of recordings. So she, she's heard the conversations. And, and I also talk nonstop, you know, like she, she tolerates my incessant <laughs> uh, talking and obsession of her things. But um, I, I think we, we share, you know, very like uh, the concerns that we that have been brought up on, on, the sh on the show. You know, regarding you know being human, staying human. Um, you know, for our kid, uh, because they will grow up in a different reality. Um, I think, uh, you know, like uh, especially post-pandemic, uh, it, it's just insane how much technology is in the face of kids. You know, in in so many angles, and um, we know, we are very aware, and we talk about you know a life that that's an alternative to that. You know, and and but it's also hard to reach that alternative, you know. It, it's you know because we want to. I think if we had our way, we could we would grow up in a more rural, you know, area full of animals and plants, and have our kid learn from that, you know, rather than uh, go to an institution where they get indoctrinated uh, and you know they get taught to stay in line or you know get punished, right? Because uh, you're part of a this system right a future worker and and that's it so we definitely have these conversations we definitely have things to navigate the things we don't we don't have answers for yet you know like for example like the vaccines um you know like i am you know obviously my ideas of vaccines have been shaped through my experience with the whole pandemic and just now just not trusting anything we've been told you know and re-examining and revising everything I believed before and, you know, and where we place our trust. And I think, I don't know where you stand, uh, you know, and like, but I think it's definitely something we're still navigating. Yeah. I think we're gonna, we, we were having all these conversations and it's important and necessary. Um, but I, I, at least I feel like once baby's here, like we're going to be it's going to be a hell of a ride, you know, like actually like facing these things. Um, and so like I tell him, like, I don't want to put a lot of weight into saying, I'm not going to do this. You know, I'm going to be like this because I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what that reality is going to be like. And, you know, I don't know what she's going to be like. I don't know what her needs are going to be like. Um, and so I'm definitely trying to be open about stuff uh, while still like setting a foundation I think for like what it is that we definitely want to strive to not do what we want to strive to do and I think one of the big ones for sure is the technology uh, and that's going to be really hard and then we've already gotten a glimpse of the vaccine stuff because like they've already started trying to vaccinate me um, <clears throat> and honestly I'm a little nervous because I have my next like OBGYN appointment uh, later this month and I'm pretty sure they're going to ask me because I should have already gotten a vaccine. 
and they told me it was going to be the um the tdap tdap but come to find out like a little later that it's not just the tdap it's like a cocktail it's like there's multiple things involved and that wasn't mentioned to me whatsoever you know she was just like oh uh you need to get this it's safe uh you know it's blah 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 and like okay um and so i i don't know what things are like now in terms of even like when we want to if we wanted to enroll her into school like what sort of vaccines are going to be mandatory you know and what does it even look like to be somebody who would want to fight that who would want to you know advocate against that um and you know what does it look like here in this area because i mean i know california is one thing right and i also i don't know what kind of community exists here in terms of like what people think about that because we do live in a more rural area you know i think it, it resembles a, a little more middle america uh oh, even though sure. even though it's still california it's a hybrid but absolutely it's a bunch of american flags around uh if that means anything right because you know that that also doesn't mean people are monolith but there is definitely a little more like if you would say conservative leanings <clears throat> than the bay area for example but we don't know what that means in terms for vaccine and like resistance to like these mandated um things and we're actually listening to the episode with amanda mm -hmm. uh over you know the vaccines um and you know because i obviously have had a little more exposure than she has and so but it's a decision that we both have to make right like um you know i i can't impose my way but you know. yeah i think last thing i'll add to that is like i've told him like i'm just I, i'm not gonna just believe what anyone tells me like including him like like i want to know more, like i want to understand you know i want to i want to like really it's gonna require like investing time obviously you know and and continuing to have these conversations and you know he talks about it a lot but like trying to find other people that perhaps hopefully that are in the area that you know maybe have navigated similar things um so we'll see how that goes um i just wanted to say briefly um just about kind of when you guys were discussing like just the prospect of having children and the uncertainty. Like I, I find what you said, Christelle, like really refreshing the, the part about just being like, not committing to like, this is the way I'm going to do it. This is the decision that I'm going to make because I think, I don't know. I see that everywhere. Just like this rigidity of like, whether it's with children of like, you know, I need these 10 things. And then, if I have those, then I'll be ready to have children or at this age or in this neighborhood, right? Or even with other parts of life, right? Like nobody knows what the future is going to look like. And like you said, I don't think you can ever really know what decisions are going to be right for you until you're you're making them, right? And I mean, that's, I imagine, probably a big part of that shift from, you know, like maidenhood to motherhood or to you know, to being a parent is like, whoa, you're going to be bombarded by like all these super high stakes decisions in relation to this little person who's going to be like everything to you. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think like what Andy was referencing with like Eduardo and I talking about, I think that was more like the political 
things about like, oh, like having a child as sort of a political decision, you know, whether it's like climate change or gun control or whatever, like that context. Um, but I also think, I don't know, just like, yeah, like the, the, the personal and the political, like it's always, it's always connected, of course. But I do think that just, I don't know. I think for me, I don't like if we accept that, oh, like the world is just so horrible that no one should bring children into it. Like, I just don't really understand that. Like, I guess I understand that perspective intellectually, but even if you're not going to have kids, like, I don't, I don't, what a, what a, like, it's just, I don't know. Just, it would be a too sad way for me to <laughs> live my life. Um, I, I don't know where you guys want to take it, Andy and Eduardo, but I was, I wanted to hear more just cause like, Christelle, you already kind of started with the vaccine thing, talking a little bit about your like pregnancy journey. So I, like, I kind of want to hear more about that. Like you, I know you've been navigating like the medical system, not just the vaccine thing, but like more broadly, I'm really curious just about your, yeah, like your whole pregnancy journey so far. Seven months, like that's a, that's a long time. You're like, <laughs> I want to share a quick thought on that whole, you know, having children pressure that I think there's definitely a distinction because here in the Valley, there's people our age who have teenagers, you know, um, and so versus the Bay Area where like the quote unquote more educated, civilized people, right? So it's definitely like a, like a, a contradiction, like people are having babies here, you know, versus the Bay Area. Yeah. Well, I, I know what I was going to say. I'll just shoot it in because it relates to that. But like, I think there's there's the political pressure, but then there's also like the material. And I mean, obviously, you need material resources in order to be a parent. Like you need food for yourself and your child. You need shelter. You need safety. And even like before the child, like right now, you need you know a different form of care, Christelle, right? Probably you need more rest. You need in my personal opinion, not to be forced to like work if you're not feeling like you want to work for nine months and then postpartum. Right. But I also think there is a pressure of like, I mean, our parents' generation, I think all of us, except for Andy are within a few years of each other in terms of age. Like it was realistic for a lot of them to have a house and it's, it's not. And I, I don't like the shame uh, that I see being put on people like kind of including myself when these conversations come up of like I don't think you have to have a house that you own to like be a successful parent I don't think you have to have x number of dollars in your bank account of course yeah you you do need material resources um but I don't know I don't like the pressure that's put on people of like oh you know irresponsible parent if you're a renter or not that everybody feels that way, but I know I've encountered it. I think we both have like the fortunate experience of our parents, you know, in that they made it with a lot less, you know, in some ways, like, you know, and, um, and we're here, you know, and we're okay. You know, we're people, you know, yeah. Anyway, tell us about your pregnancy. I, before, I don't know if I can make a comment to, I mean, I am the only one on this the whole time that has said that people shouldn't have children, and that's not any, uh, and that's not directed mostly towards. It's not directed towards anyone specifically. I say that before Kenny knows this, that I've said this before on what's left before I Kenny was on here. So I, 
I should just state, since Andy mentioned that I've said I don't want to have children, I don't want to have children. I fostered a child, so it is a challenge. And what you talked about, Cristal, whether about technology and how you're going to raise your child and what comes with that, it's like, oh my goodness. To this day, it's like hard for me to imagine the choices and decisions that my 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 former charge, you know, is taking. <laughs> it's like Jane Goodall who raised her child in Africa and suddenly he's part of the animal trade. <laughs> so it's like they're going to be the opposite of what you hope or want them to be, you know. You know, I, I raised with organic foods and, and, and had him and left to another country and raised him with other kids that were in a network of families that were unschooling their children. And yet, you know, it's it's not going to turn out to be the way that you are hoping they're going to be. That's always just going to be the matter of life. And now that I'm co-raising my nephew in technology, he's never been around tech and screens. And suddenly school is all about that. <laughs> and I have to push back. So it's, it's going to be a challenge, you know. And then I hear obviously the stories of many of my experience working in the school district, especially at elementary level, I know Andy, you worked in high school, but when you hear the stories of five-year-olds, six-year-olds with families that have no network, don't have any network and kids that come from trauma and that children that come from abusive families, which doesn't describe your relationship and the child you'll bring into this world. That's part of the reason why I'm like, Oh my goodness, people should not have children. You know, so there are reasons behind that. I think it's clear. It's just ah, so much of the world, obviously, is not as healthy and sustainable. And that makes me sad for the children who aren't going to have that safety net. No, And I know you all have encountered that families, like immigrant families, especially in the immigrant community that have to cross many multiple borders and countries to give them a better life. And then they still come here and it's not the better life that they imagined. And and then it's not having the resources that we have. And Kenny has called out, um, he doesn't say privilege, but has called out my my way of life that is very different from most San Franciscans, which, you know, you've said before you left on, I think at the last episode you were in, because I was sad that you were leaving San Francisco, Kenny. And you said, well, it's not that easy, Eduardo, you know. And uh, and it is, it is a difficult life to live here in SF, in an expensive city, and an expensive capitalist system that, it, it's not encouraging to have children, right? I don't know if anyone wants to make a comment on that. I don't know. I think, like, for me, the thing that it it terrifies me, like it. So, towards the end of us living in this up, we were living close to the marina in Cow Hollow, and on Van Ness, there were a bunch of those self-driving cars. Um, <clears throat> And so when we'd be driving, especially at night during that time, I don't know what has changed, you know, since October, but they, they would be driving themselves, you know, there wouldn't be anybody there. So like I'd be in the passenger seat and I'd look and it was, I, I remember like that, that fear never left my body, like <laughs> seeing the car without a person in it. And I just know like that for me was like, hell fucking no. Like I do not want my child to, to think that's normal. That is not normal. Um, so I don't know. That just came to my mind. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, they just, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm glad that we're out, you know, and that we don't see scooters everywhere. You know, just like the other day, we caught up on like social media yeah, and someone that I, you know, part of our circle got run over by a scooter, like on the sidewalk, big time, you know, and then you know, broke her wrist and got bruised up and like, you know, and a lot of these things don't get questioned, right? And, and of course, it's complicated. People use technology out of necessity, right? Like a lot of cooks in San Francisco use them to get to their other job because they have to have two jobs, you know, and it's cheaper than paying Uber or, or Lyft now or or having to wait for the bus, you know. It's complicated, but, yeah, like, that's not normal, you know, that in, in I, you know, and it's kind of refreshing to be away from all that, um, <laughs> you know, and in parts of me we're going to be shocked when we go back oh, and, yeah. and we see yeah. some of the changes uh because we haven't been back in months and not to visit or anything um and so don't miss that at all you know i don't that's not necessary <laughs> and thank you no it does it does sadden me that a lot of people are leaving you know sf when I go to my child's school and he's, I see one more family deciding to leave. And it's all these, especially black and brown communities that are not staying. And SF is not a child friendly. I think it's one of the cities with the, le the least amount of children, per, mm. like as major cities. Mm. And so I am very saddened, of course, that the exodus of, of diversity, the, the people that make up beautiful working class SF are leaving. And um, I've, I've already expressed this. Just the other day, I was two weekends ago, it, Ananda Fuada just closed, which is right there by the library. And after 40 years, it was one of the places that I, as a vegetarian, went to. And I remember when they were in Taraval, and then they moved there. And I remember, I just yelled out the last Saturday, the last, that weekend, the last, I just yelled it. I said, thank you. Everyone was eating, it was packed. People were sad, but no one was saying anything. And I just yelled out and I said, thank you so much for providing 40 years of service in Anda Fuara. And someone recorded me. Maybe it'll show up somewhere. I doubt it. But I express so much gratitude. But it's also this sad exodus of long-standing businesses that have made up SF. People like both of you, people like the families that make up SF. It's just this city is slowly becoming richer and richer and richer and i think i forget how many billionaires live here you and know? also for poor and poorer like i, I want to say that too like i mean i was working in the tenderloin um i've lived in the tenderloin but like it working working there especially like after the pan like the pandemic started and stuff i mean just the mass amounts of people that lost their living situations and that we're navigating that i mean sure you know too Eduardo like seeing the mission and seeing like 24th and like what that looks like now and and also like how ugly how people respond to that um it it just it just like broke my heart every single day you know it, it's really hard to see and I think I haven't fully processed a lot of that yet honestly because like I've just been you know obviously dealing with my pregnancy and everything but I think like it took such a severe mental and emotional and physical toll on me 
like seeing that and like I, I think yeah I don't I guess I'm just trying to say like I all of these things all of these components are like what drove us to not want to be there anymore like it was we wanted to run away you know because I think the irony at the time, like towards the end, was that as I was working at a, this fancy restaurant with rich people, you know, they come and spend like two, three hundred dollars on a meal per, per person, uh, buy a three hundred dollar, four hundred dollar bottle of wine, and she was working as a housing coordinator at a nonprofit for uh, women that uh, faced uh, like abuse uh, and. Uh, what do you say um like uh extreme housing needs yeah and um so it was like a complete end you know to the two extremes of of the reality that is san francisco and you know that definitely like i said i was there like it took an emotional toll on her you know having to go and see people that live on the streets and see how the systems are built to like pretend like they're doing something and just present a facade of progress and you know like care for humanity while you know like the you know the structures are literally just symbolic you know because she was navigating all that and so all of these things you know informed our I think uh, us getting fed up and tired you know with with the show and the facade um, and then going home to like one of just out of like it, I, I never thought I would live in Cal Hollow. I lived there because I found an apartment during the pandemic that was really affordable just because a lot of people had moved out of that area. So it was just even like harder to then have to like leave work and then go to that neighborhood. Like I had never lived in that part of San Francisco. I had always lived like either in the mission or the surrounding area or like the Tenderloin. So it was just really difficult because um, it was like, both gratitude for having like an apartment nice, nice a apartment. really nice apart studio apartment you know like really really nice and like you know quote unquote like safe and clean or whatever and um relatively affordable even though we were making ends meet and yeah we were making the most we were making ever together and we were not saving any money at all yeah and and so and just for context that area if people don't know san francisco cow hollow is more of the like we're privileged, owe money, uh, uh, and like hip, you know. Uh, but like again, these are the people that would go to the restaurant that I worked at, mm-hmm. um, and you know, you would see like uh, vintage cars and Ferraris and stuff. And so it's another reality. And you know, in, in that place, I didn't exist. You know, people often clutch their pur- purses. You know, literally, we cross the street because you know, like we both of us, like she, the way she dressed, like she wasn't dressed as a hip, you know, rich. Lululemon type of person, uh, and like we we didn't fit there, and like we never had community there. Like we were always like weird, and like there was not nothing inviting about that. Um, and so again, all these things just. Um, sorry if I interrupted you, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, just again, this added up to just being disenchanted with San Francisco because, as you said, Eduardo, everyone. Or a lot of people that we knew left to Oakland, or if they were becoming parents, they had to leave the city. You can't raise a kid in the city if you don't own a house, or you know, it's just hard. I mean, people do. It's just really but hard. It, it's mostly immigrant people. Uh, yeah, it's mostly yeah. because people, immigrant people, yeah. have to do. But you know, we do have a different set of expectations because <laughs> we were raised here, and like 
you know, like we're not okay with living in a room, you know, with six people, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, that's what it should be, right? But like a lot of immigrants, that's what that's the only option. That's what I did when I migrated to this country. You know, that I was living in a room with six people. <laughs> and I lived in a home where there was people living with like their kids in a room and like we shared like an in-law. Like that's just absolutely the reality for a lot of people raising kids. So yeah, that like coupled with like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm scared. I'm scared for the technology and, and like, as like an elementary school, Eduardo, like what the fuck? Like I, technology has always been part of my life. Um, I think more so even than Kenny's like growing up, like I did absolutely watch TV and like all of that, but it was a, an activity. It wasn't like like I wasn't just like you know glued to a tablet or a, like I went outside to play like I played with dirt you know like I would go to my grandma's house and where she had no internet and you know she grew her vegetables and and she was absolutely a person who was like of the old world and I'd go and I'd mix things in her kitchen and pretend I was making food like I was it was hands-on you know and that that's my biggest fear like and I know I know I'm sure it exists here too, like, you know, that, that movement towards like incorporating more technology that's everywhere. Um, so as much as it like scares me, um, in SF, like again, circling back here, I, I don't know what to expect. I don't, I don't know what to expect, but I, I do, I do fear for some scary things along the road. Cause we do know some people <laughs> with kids our age about our age and like some family members and they have young kids and, you know, I think that's informed at least my expectations of, on not being too rigid, right? Because there's a reality that you have to deal with as a person making ends meet. Because like this person uh, knows a lot about, you know, childbirth and blah, blah, blah. And she swear not to use technology at all, you know, but she's found herself and she knows she's aware that she has said, no, I was not going to do this. But then, you know, having to deal with reality and like technology is part of the kid's life, you know, and and obviously there is a, a, this programming, right, of like and associating technology with progress and future and opportunities and education and, and also this sense that you don't want to fall behind, right, or like your kids can fall behind compared to other kids because that is the, the train that is going to, you know, that's moving forward. <laughs> And so, like, I don't think we share that sense, uh, but it's still hard when other kids are going to be using technology because, like... My parents. Yeah. They're glued to a tablet. I'm like, like, you know, like, that's going to be hard, too, you know? Like, it's not just, like, the external, but it's also, like, the internal, like, the, the cousins, you know, they're everything. Like, so we shall see. I mean, I think it's a very different thing when, like, we're using tech to stay connected to do this episode to find research than what they're beginning to have conversations at my child's school about having virtual tours as field trips, you know, which is completely different. The kind of, you know, okay, just connect children so they can have a field trip outside of the outside of the classroom, outside the classroom. They're in the classroom, right? But that that's the tech that I'm pushing back, but very different from what we're doing here to just record, find research, share information, talk to one another, then to, you know, and that's, I'm hoping we, 
we fight that and parents don't give in to that kind of technology, right? I think the, the tech that you described, uh, Cristal, growing up is watching cartoons or television shows or whatever, very different from how they're trying to impose today, which is scary, very scary. Just a quick thing, and I do want to circle back to Jessica's question about the pregnancy journey, and I definitely will get there. Uh, two things I'm reminded of in this conversation is, uh, Chris, Crystal, your name came up earlier uh, when Kenny went to Canada and to visit his, uh, well, his dying cousin. Um, Kenny, can you remember the name? Uh, Sergio. Sergio, right. Um, but there was a story about how you had, you were, there were kids who were all on their on their tablets or something like that, or all on electronics, and you you did a bunch of work with them to be like get them outside. Um, I remember he told us the story about that, so that's that's pretty amazing. Um, and the only thing I would say, Eduardo, is I feel like we, me, Kenny, and Eduardo used to meet at one location and and record this. This is a concession. This is exact. What we're I would say what we're doing here is exactly what Cristal you're talking about is like how what are the compromises we're going to end up making? What, you know, and of course I love being able to talk and having Jessica here, but it's still a concession. And I feel like it's a concession to, to the system a little bit to, to be forced to, to have our program this way. Um, and, you know, but I understand we do, we do this to, in the hopes of undermining this, but I still feel like it's a concession compared to what we, we would be trying to do to get together, trying to convince Jessica to, relocate with Nate that back to the Bay Area or something like that, you know, to, whatever, but that's because to do in person, you know, you, you can't do it if you insist, but. It's master know, schools, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So. But there's a difference, Andy, I think, like yeah. the, what we're talking about, like I just described what they're trying to do in my nephew's school versus yeah, what we're doing. And I think that the, you have to make those choices consciously, what you're, what's allowable and what's not. Constantly, I'm deciding that with in our household, my nephew who is wanting to do video games, and we're like uh, <laughs> something else other than that. <laughs> Everybody that, is sorry. Like, no, personally, I don't want to lose sight that again we're being mediated right now. You know, it's not like when we're in person. Like you know, this can be stopped. You know, in some, at some point, you know, or in some way, or. Um, and I don't know who said this, but like, I don't want to forget that I'm seeing uh, electrical signals that become images. I'm not seeing you. I'm not touching you because I do right now that you talked about those moments, Lipson, I was brought back to a feeling, a different feeling, a different experience of being in person, you know, like seeing your, you know, like feeling your stress or or not, <laughs> or, you know, smelling you guys or, you know, like, um, it's not the same and like I don't want to forget that and I want to fight to get back to that in some way um, you know because like you said these are concessions but if you make too many concessions you fucking lose the whole war and, you know and like yes you know sometimes you have to backtrack to you know push forward but you know I don't want to lose sight of that like uh, you know that again what we want to strive for is like because we daydream right like why would we do if like we had our, our way like uh, we had those resources to do our thing and like for us, it's family. For us, it's being together in person, getting together, and like eliminating those variables that keep people from getting together. Because even here, yes, we moved here to be close to family. We we rarely see her parents. Like we they they live like 10, 15 minutes away. We still rarely see them because they're always working. I'm always working. My schedule sucks. 
you know, and, and so it's still hard, you know, and like, yeah, there is phone calls, but it's not the same, you know, and then like, I'm a person who struggles at a distance with relationships. I can't, I always have texting and phone calls. It's not enough for me. I have to be in person. I have to like, you know, and like, if any of my friends are listening, I'm sorry. That's just, they know that's the way I am. I, I just struggle at a distance. And, uh, but yeah, I don't know if you want to get back to the pregnancy experience and the medical system. Um, yeah, uh, it's I I have I've learned some things uh, being pregnant. I mean, none of it is surprising. Uh, I think you know a lot of um, the last two years when I was working at the nonprofit, like I I learned a lot about. I I just got a more intimate look, and you know, uh, established a more intimate relationship at how a lot of these systems that supposedly help people, you know, make it actually exponentially more difficult uh for a lot of people and i'm not denying that you know things like nonprofits or government assistance you know don't make an impact in a lot of people's lives because they do um but just where you know you see the one successful case there's a hundred more that are not you know and i think that's important to recognize um but yeah, I I am uh, navigating like receiving for the first time in my life uh, like government assistance, and I have medical and uh, ble- a blessing. Oh, um, a blessing, you know, like or okay, maybe I shouldn't say that. Let me let me say this. It's been in, like great to be able to go to the doctor and not have to pay anything out of pocket. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, I talked to him, like, I, I think I'm somebody who like, you know, I, I can speak English, I can read English, I can write English. I have certain levels of advocacy skills for myself and other people, you know, I'm, and, and even then, like, it's incredibly fucking difficult for me to be able to like advocate for myself in certain situations to get uh basic information uh from people like my case manager who's supposed to be helping me um quite honestly the way that the system is set up is that people are treated as a number like people it, it is a fucking business like it, it it really is uh there is no like true humanity that's there and yes there are certain people you know that will bring that humanity into you know like this world, but, um, but it's been, uh, it just makes me think of all of the people who don't have access to understanding what their rights are, who don't, you know, who don't have access to advocate for themselves, who cannot speak or understand what they're being told. Um, you know, like, I think every pregnant person should have a doula, like every, every pregnant person should have somebody like who can really spend time to work with them to you know what wh- what their needs are to inform them and unfortunately that costs money so that went out the door for us um and for a lot of other people and um like i also find myself like flabbergasted at people who like doctors <laughs> who, um, for example, one of them who I had, who 
just absolutely treated me like shit uh who clearly gave no no fucks about me uh my body my baby I who I like I received like a pap smear that made me cry I have never cried in a pap smear and I've had multiple pap smears in my life like and so I had to talk to a different doctor and I had to like advocate and say I cannot see that person how many other people don't know that they can do that or feel ashamed or feel like they can't you know say those things you know so it just infuriates me um because you have people who are providing care whether they're in the medical field or in the nonprofit field or in like the government whatever and they're not they're not treating people with humanity or dignity or you know they're they're fed up or you know so it's it's been hard um and uh again like flabbergasted at um my case managers and how hard it is to contact them because like I know from being like a case manager you know like in having a physical space that our clients could go to when I was working at the nonprofit, it makes such a difference whereas like all of these other systems like I can't go see my like I have to call them or email them and I have to wait usually like for days until I hear back and you know so it's it's just been it's been difficult and I'm, I've been trying my hardest, you know, to like spend time to tell him to like how he can advocate for me during pregnancy, because like once I'm there, you know, in the hospital in labor, like, you know, I'm going to need some support. And, you know, unfortunately, again, there is no doula, there is no midwife in the picture here. Uh, I think everybody should have access to that. And absolutely, everybody who's pregnant should have the ability to not have to work. Like if they, if they don't want to, if they can't, um, I could not imagine having uh, to work during this time. I thankfully haven't had to. Um, and it is weird because I've always worked and had my own income and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so I don't know if you want to add anything. Um, <clears throat> oh yeah, the for me, um, I've, 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 I've been learning a lot. And the, the truth is that most of the research and knowledge regarding pregnancy has been done by, by, by Cristal. Um, you know, I've had my own sets of stresses, you know, on the side as, and, you know, we find ourselves in this situation that I don't think necessarily we plan for, but, you know, we're, we're like, uh, there's division of labor, right? Like I'm the guy going out to the <laughs> market to get, you know, sell my time for money. Right. And she's the one like the keeping the house. <laughs> she's a housewife. And I don't think, you know, if you guys know us, like that's not what we would have planned. Yeah. But uh, you know, that's what's like working for now. Um, and in the process of learning about just pregnancy, the whole process, you know, that she's has dedicated a lot of time to. I, I I've learned so many things, like, you know, I I, I also had to the uh, unschool myself, right? In terms of giving authority to these doctors and all these nurses and the system itself, right. And, and, and be there, you know, and I know that the day of, of delivery, I'm going to have to be there and be strong and really advocate for her wishes, you know, and to make sure that she's comfortable because, um, and as we've learned a lot of times they do whatever the hell they want, you know, you, you are a product of a, of a market system, you know, in the hospitals, you know, they just want to get you out. Like we know, Another, at least it comes up to my mind, another 
of her family members feels that they didn't have to have a C-section, but they were kind of like rushed into it. And apparently that happens a lot, you know, in the system. And because again, there is no advocacy and, um, you know, there, I think our, our battles began, not, not even just like with this insurance stuff right now or the healthcare, but get, getting pregnant too was a process. I don't know if I'm allowed to speak about mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So Cristal has had fibroids um, and um, that have produced a lot of pain uh, and issues throughout her life. And I don't think you knew until like later. Yeah, like, you, know until later. you should have known, right? Like when she was younger, but again, many ways the medical system, right? The fails. And so she switched from one insurance to another in order to get better care. But this was this was in the period of, of COVID, right? And, and so uh, we thought that she was gonna get better care for the fibroids so we can get you know pregnant. And I think that's where the whole having to call places started, you know, even before we even knew we were gonna be pregnant. Because like she was getting tossed around through systems to emails that weren't getting answered, calls that weren't getting returned, uh, and and then also being pushed to do telehealth, right? That they try to do that. They try to encourage her to go into the telehealth branch of these, uh, the uh, what was the hospital? USF, UCSF. UCSF, which is supposed to be a prom uh, like a very uh, specialized place for fibroids, but they were just tossing her to the telehealth system. And long story short is like, that's another space where I've learned to not just deflect, uh, you know, and give power over our lives to the so-called experts and educated people. Um, because like, you know, just like you guys talked on that uh, with Tom about, you know, virologist ideology, you know, like, no, these, these people don't know everything. They're part of the system. You know, it, it ultimately it is our lives, and and I'm hoping that I can get those teachings, you know, and, and be there during one of the most traumatic, potentially traumatic experiences for all of us, you know, including our baby, um, and hopefully we can come, you know, out well out of that. Wait, are you are you anticipating it being traumatic? I just for either of you. Um. Well, I can understand why, but I just. I wonder if you mean that because, like, do you mean that because, like, it's like a very like. like well, I I think it's because of our situation, you know, because there could be potentially issue potential okay. issues for the birth, like because there is a fibroid involved, uh, so there might have to be a C-section. Uh, we don't know yet, you know. There's still, uh, because it is a significant one, and we actually have another appointment to see where it's at. Um, and I think that's when we're going to know more, but as at the moment, yes, I, I'm afraid that, you know, they're just going to want to, because they just want to treat her as a product, you know, because they do that and, and that's what the system is built for. And, and so, yes, I do. I do. I am on guard. <laughs> I am on guard for, uh, that day. I'm, I'm on guard in the sense, like if I do have a natural birth, like I know, I don't know what my doctors will be like um but i do know of a lot of cases where if the labor is not um <clears throat> like going quickly enough like they're going to be pushing drugs on you you know they're they're going to be doing i've been 
doing some reading with like this like um this woman who like is more of like a natural approach to birthing and um I say natural <laughs> um but <clears throat> I, like so I'm, I'm I'm cautious of that but otherwise I'm hoping this is going to be lovely and beautiful and that it's not just going to be trauma and <laughs> uh you know I guess I'm just I'm gonna be watchful for them not to rush anything yeah because you know, I don't sorry I just want to add like where I stand like I again I don't know what what it will be like in the moment but I would like to try to not have to have any drugs or epidural or a pectin or whatever the hell they inject you with like Hosen. That one, pectin. What's pectin? That's like for canning, isn't it? Oh God. <laughs> anyway, uh, close enough. <laughs> that thing. Um, so we'll see. Well, the thing that comes across for me, and I, I, this is going to be a question, is increasingly a number of our people who've come onto what's left have drawn us closer and closer to talking about the reproduct reproduction in industry in the United States, and giving me more of the sense. And maybe I'll guess I'll put the question is to you is I almost get a sense that as you enter into this industry, you feel like you're more behind enemy lines operating than in, into a into a place that's welcoming and one that's actually going to assist you in in realizing, you know, bringing a healthy life into the world and things like that. I feel more like you're operating under under war conditions than, you know, sanctuary conditions. And that's the sense I get. So maybe. Tell me if that's accurate, because I, I, well, I'm just leaving it at that. No, I think it is. You know, you know when someone cares about you, like you know when somebody like is actually like committed to your health, your well being. You know, I've seen it with like a lot of, well, not a lot, but some of the coworkers who I had in the nonprofit field when we were like dealing with our clients, and I've I've had like certain healthcare people in my life that have shown that for me. And so I think like maybe a lot of this stems from, well, first of all, like I think everything that uh, has happened and like our understanding of like the world. Um, and I'm not saying that like, oh, every fucking health professional is bad and they don't care about me or they don't care about people. I don't think that's true. Um, but we know that when people are working under certain systems, um, you know, you. I, I think it would be foolish for me or anyone really to just think that these people have uh, like my actual best interest in mind or my baby's best interest in mind. Um, <clears throat> and so I think like a lot of the people who have been part of my pregnancy journey in the medical field um, have kind of showed me indifference or just like you know, haven't really treated, haven't really spent the time, haven't really invested that sort of like relationship building um, that I feel like should be absolutely important. Um, that trust, you know, I'm just kind of blindly going in and keeping my fingers crossed that, you know, these people are gonna, are gonna be supportive and, you know, have my best interest in mind and my baby's best interest. But I don't know. I think that's that's where at least like my cautious side comes up and yeah, like that and again just like this whole like nonchalant like oh, we're going to give you this medication, you know, or take this. It's no big deal. And it's like 
but there's no other information that goes along with it. Um, and that just pisses me off. <laughs> Crystal, I want to ask, are there areas in thinking about your upcoming birth, are there areas where you do feel like you have autonomy, like either that you've cultivated or are in the process of cultivating? Like, where do you feel like, hell yeah, I got this. Yeah. I mean, I think in certain, like, I don't, I don't know a lot. And even though I've done like some reading, you know, there's always more to learn. Um, but I think with like basic stuff, um, which is what I've been trying to have these conversations with him too. Like I want to be able, like, I think that I do have a sense of being able to like ask or talk to my doctors or nurses and be like, what's going on here? Or like, why? Or, you know, like, um, so I think in that way, yeah. Um, cause like ultimately, like I, I know that I, I have a right to, to say no in a lot of things, you know, I have a right to say no. Um, even if it feels like I don't have that right, even if it feels like it's the law, you know, or whatever. Um, so I'm not scared in that sense. I think that's always been something about me, which is why I got in a lot of trouble in the nonprofit world. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you feel there's anything else. You can't I mean, really think of anything else. The, 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 <clears throat> I think the one thing I'm super grateful for is the space that our child will be brought into. Oh yeah. And like, it is safe, you know, in the sense of like, she won't risk being evicted you know or um or or having a landlord that's gonna you know limit whether she can fucking fuck up the, the walls or not <laughs> you know and, her grandpa. you know and, and so that absolutely gives uh, me confidence that she'll be okay and like you know um yeah, because outside of this, I I, I don't. I, I, it's hard. It's a grind. It's a fucking war, you know. Whether it's the medical system, where it's work, whether it's healthcare, whether whether it's food, you know, like it, it, it's hard. You know, like you know, we for example, we she cooks a lot. Like <laughs> you do most of the cooking right now, and we use a lot of produce, you know, and our trash can is a lot dirty or like pretty full because we cook a lot. We're not like a lot of other families who have like frozen meals and stuff. And so, but even then, like I, I'm not, because we think we eat healthier, you know, like we still don't have access to like healthy food. <laughs> you know, it's still food that has been processed and, you know, in some way or modified or, will be pesticides so again there is no control outside of the, the walls here like uh you know but i think that this is our sanctuary and like i think that's you know we're gonna fight hard to you know make it so and keep it you know as clean as we can within the constraints of the reality that we live in you know because we're not you know sadly like we're not at a point where we can afford organic food even what they call organic, right? <laughs> we can't, you know. Um, and so we have a lot to navigate. You know, we have, we'll see what we have capacity to do. 
because yes, we want to plant our own stuff. You know, we want to grow our own things. We want to have our own animals. But again, we're still within the system. I'm still a slave, a wage slave to this system, and and probably in the worst conditions I've been in. <laughs> you know, and like I've been steadily moving towards a more and more incarcerated feeling. You know, and you know, still hoping to get out of it. But you know, um, but the sanctuary. That's where we have autonomy. I think mm -hmm. we can paint the house. We, you know, like it can be painted anywhere, anyway. We modified, uh, you know, and uh, that's been such a blessing, you know, to to do make it our way, you know, and because if you're a renter, obviously it's very limited things. You know, you you don't in San Francisco you couldn't even use the yard. Like <laughs> the place we lived at, fancy ass fucking place. They had a yard that was not allowed to be used. It was empty the whole time. You know, uh, I literally knew people who, whose landlords locked the back, you know, areas because, you know, for them to not use. So there is potential, you know, like we will need the resources. We'll need some money <laughs> to, you know, get going. But the space we do have. I'm so glad both of you have those visions for your child and the healthy environment. Just the time, the energy, being able to do those things, it's a challenge. I know I'm having a challenge doing even just, I'm a lazy gardener and things grow and go wild, but there's a lot of volunteers that spring up from previous plots and stuff, but it, it, it really is a challenge. If I have a hard time and I have a flexible schedule, I only imagine working parents and trying to get things going. It is always a challenge. It's always going to be a challenge. So I feel it. Uh, no, we can move on. We can, we can. Oh, and the other comment to what you said about yards not being used and landlords locking, that is so true. So true. I have seen so many people live in homes in SF and I go to their, because I visit, I go family visits. I go and have meetings wherever families want to invite me. So we, because they can't come to the school because they're like, oh my God, I'm so busy. So I'm like, okay, let's go organize at your house or wherever you want me to. And I see their yards and I'm thinking, why don't, your kids play out there. Oh, they don't let us use the yard. I'm thinking, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the time. It's 11.55. I know Jess has to get off soon. We're fine. We're fine. I know, Jess, I want to honor yeah, Jess. I don't know if any time. So I'm going to have to hop off in like five, ten minutes. Um, I don't so know that's, so, so oh, Jess, if you want to ask anything else before you hop off and well, maybe I'll just say then before we transition and then I'll stealthily sneak <laughs> away. Um, I'm going to be... Leave your avatar then. No, I was just going to remind Getty and Crystal. I'm going to be in San Fran slash Oakland two weeks from today. So I know I wish I could have made it the weekend after for the shower if my spring break was a week later. But anyway, totally no pressure, but I would love to come say hey or if you guys are i don't know if you want to come all the way back to the crazy sf um madness for me but you have to listen to the last part of the episode to understand why it's difficult for us yeah to totally totally okay. I, I just want to say jessica i think it might be possible for us to get up there during your time so a little, a little road trip just yeah. Um, yeah. come to the central valley <laughs> I would, I would love that if we could make it happen. Um, I, think, I think that's kind of important. So 
I, I, I have a barbecue. We have a barbecue. Yeah. Really? I, I know you guys are going to be so busy, like prepping for the shower and everything. So I don't want we'll to like, invite myself. We'll over. make time. We'll make time. We'll, we'll bring a, everyone brings a potluck kind of meal thing, so you don't yeah. have to worry about food. We'll make yeah. you. We can worry about food. It's okay. You, we'll we'll you make you work. Fun. We'll make you do roll up. <laughs> I'm down. I'll plan seafood. I'll cook. I'll do whatever. <laughs> and we might even keep this on the episode because Kenny went. I feel like when you said that thing about how you felt in remembering when me, you, and Eduardo would do our episodes together and that the visceral feeling it had, it really made me realize that when Jessica's down here, we have to get up there. So, exactly. um, Oh, we might record an episode over there. Well, uh, I mean, just... <laughs> the four of us. I don't want to hang out. I just, yeah. we can, whatever, we can film an episode. <laughs> we can hang out with you guys, that's yeah, all. So. Um, uh, yeah, so... the. Well, before, I, the thing I want to say, it's interesting. I'm still going back to something Jessica said when she said how much shame people have about housing and being a renter versus a homeowner. And that, that is true, actually. You almost feel like I haven't got a home yet. I'm kind of a failure. Somebody else, like I haven't done what I was supposed to do. And, um, and Jessica, you're right to, to resist that shame. But I'm still reminded of this. You will own nothing and be happy. And there's a way in which they have already marched us down that road, you know, oh, you know, because I know, Jessica, you're not about, well, I'm so happy that you took away, you know, but because people are locked in, locked into their rent, their rental situation is more of a prison than a homeowner situation. That's what I'm remembering or being reminded by what you, what you two are sharing about, like, we can use our yard, we can paint our house, our kid can scrawl on the walls, our kid can make as much noise as it wants, you know. Making noise is important for a person, for for any person, I think. But um, so it's just it it is just interesting how all these things that are part of the world first fourth industrial revolution framework have already been taking place. They're just being accelerated, um, and we've already been walked down that road. Um, Kenny, when's the last time we saw you? And uh, here, and what's left? It's been like three months, maybe. Because I started working at this place. I'm about to be three months. So I think it was like December or January. Um, what what can you share about your your journey, your your and Cristal's journey, or in your journey since that time? Like, what would what can you tell us and people who? Because people have asked, "When's Kenny coming back? And how's he doing?" Da 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 da. So yeah. go ahead and share with us, and then share with whoever's here with us on what's left. Well, yeah. Thank, well, thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, our journey is obviously we're together in this, uh, and you know, my journey affects her, affects us both. Um, so I started working at this poultry company. Uh, it's pretty well known. I'm not gonna say the brand, mm -hmm. but um, in this is my first like industrial job. So um, in I resisted. I didn't want to, and I. And I still don't want to, but I have to <laughs> for now. Um, and so it's one of the best paying jobs in the area, like in terms of like for not a supervisory role, you know, because I do have management experience. Um, and I, I actually was offered like a supervisory role in this company where I would have gotten a decent amount of money with a lot more stress, you know, like. I, I think uh, by now I've learned the lesson of that carrot of salary, you know, to enslave you because when you're uh, salary, you're expected to work 10 hours minimum. 
um, at any job, whether it was my last job where I was miserable, you know, working for rich people, working 10, 12 hours at, sometimes. Um, and uh, so here I consider getting this position. Uh, and so what I do is quality assurance. I'm a quality assurance technician. So we do a lot of like critical controls, you know, like say you want to make sure the x-ray machines are working in the food production, temperatures are fine, that, uh, you know, there is no like uh, cross-contamination of things and filling out a lot of forms for the government because the USDA is pressing at the factory. And so, you know, they can give what is called an NR, a no compliance report. And if you add those up, they can, you know, penalize companies, blah, blah, blah. And so again, this is my first industrial job. Uh, this place is massive. Like uh, in uh, a lot of big companies, you know, get their chicken from here. You think that their chicken comes from somewhere else, but it's not, it's, it's from this company. Um, and so uh, just for an idea of my day to day, like I have to wear a hairnet, a beard net, earplugs, helmet, smock. Um, and that's part of the process to going into the plant and uh, sometimes sleeves, gloves, you know, to interact with the product, whatever. Um, and it's been a learning experience uh, on top of, you know, the learning curve of being in that industry. Uh, the only way, the way for me to get in was to work at night. So I, I've been working at night uh, and I work about, uh, at the beginning I worked about 10 hours every day because it's expected to work overtime. Um, in the at least in the position I was hired for, which because I do pre-operational checks, like uh, have to make sure the machines are clean, sanitized, because USDA comes and checks it randomly. Uh, there is a lot of chemicals, uh, you know, chlorine, ozone, uh, use uh, uh, acid that goes into the production process uh, for your quote-unquote organic chicken, um, and uh, and so. Yeah. So again, long hours. I my schedule at the beginning was going at 10:50, getting off at 9 a.m. Uh, so 10:50 p.m. while you guys are sleeping, I, I've been working and I had to sleep during the day. Uh, so that absolutely affects uh, our relationship. You know, like how we see each other. She spends a lot of the day by herself. Um, I come home 9:30. I do work like five minutes away because this is we are in Middle America. This is a uh, uh, like a company town in a way, you know, like there's also a railroad nearby because that whole thing with East Palestine reminds me of, and like we, we I've brought it up, we talk about it, you know, because that shit that happened over there could happen here. <laughs> we are absolutely, uh, uh, you know, middle America, you know, like the stereotype, uh, railroads, factories, uh, and people that do make money from owning land, working on the land. Because that's the other option that I can have. I can go work in the field really hard and, and earn $16 an hour. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of like the basics of it. Uh, you know, I'm, I work at night. I struggle to, you know, function. Sleeping during the day is not the same. I absolutely hate it. Um, and I don't, I don't see the sun much. Uh, and as you guys have known in the show, like I love the sun, I love being outside, I love nature, I love walking, I love hiking. So I've had to give up all this, you know, but we need income. Um, and 
you know, the other option is to become a restaurant manager uh, at a fast food place. And, you know, it's the same thing, you know, a lot of stress, a lot of um, hours, uh, you know, those are the options. And I'm over salary. <laughs> it's such a prison, you know, you do get quote unquote benefits. Uh, you know, I do get benefits, get health insurance. They take money out of my paycheck. Um, even when the when the baby comes, baby's added, and I decide to add her, I will have to pay like three four hundred dollars, uh, like two three two hundred dollars a paycheck. So it's like four hundred dollars a month, and that's like a good chunk of my income. And so, I, you know, that's that's my situation at the moment. Um, you know, like I I I don't like it. I'm not happy. Like she knows it. Uh, I'm just doing it because I have to. Um, and you know, like and kind of buying time I guess for what's next and because uh, I'm hoping to switch to the daytime which is another prison <laughs> you know because like daytime you go in at 9 30 and then you leave at 7 p.m so you don't get see the sun either way <laughs> um, and you know like and at the same time so this company was bought by a, a, a venture capitalist firm recently before I went in and so the wages were actually increased. Um, for most, I think they were making like fourteen, fifteen dollars, mm. or something Maybe like that. Between like fifteen to seventeen for most okay. people. And and then like they raised the wages for like the the uh, let's say like the like the general worker to twenty dollars. And so this is one of the highest paying. Uh, um, jobs in the area uh, I get paid more because I'm a technician you know they do more government involved job and we get a differential for working at night like a two dollar extra but in a dollar whatever they have complicated bullshit and it, it adds up to nothing <laughs> you know it, it adds in, but uh, what I do realize though is that um, people are grateful to work there uh, because it, it pays, you know, compared to other jobs. The other option is go to the fields or commute all the way to Fremont to work at the Tesla factory, which is two hours every day, one way and the other way, four hours a day. And people have done that uh, to work for Tesla because Tesla did pay well. Uh, and that apparently that's a very common story. Um, and so if we, uh, you know, we didn't have the support, like we'd be fucking screwed anyway. We are we're we're doing okay, you know. But if we had to pay the rent that we paid in San Francisco, there's no way we can make ends meet by one person working. I would have to have another job, you know. And so I think that a lot of people in the area kind of not everyone, right? There is also poverty and stuff, but are okay or are do relatively okay because their parents bought houses and people live together. Uh, and, and so, you know, $20 an hour, it's all right for them. But for someone who doesn't own a house and like doesn't have, you know, that's a different story. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have any questions. That's kind of like basic. I guess way back when you were, you know, working at the front porch, Early on, when when I first knew you of working at the front porch, would you have said you were happy working at your job? I, 
Yeah, honestly, like looking back, obviously things look different, right? Like in retrospective, but I, I was okay. I, I only worked four days a week and like, I didn't have health insurance for a long time, but I could afford to travel. I had a, a degree of independence. I didn't have to work full eight hours actually. And it was tips and it wasn't consistent. But as a young person, I was all right. I was doing okay. Yeah. And then I do remember it, increasingly it felt more and more like a trap and more like more like a prison, uh, particularly around the COVID period. Um, it got more that way. And then you you were like, I got to get out. And then you went to this other job feeling in a, both a salary trap and a and a vax trap and a medical trap. Um, and then, like you noted, this other job became you, you became imprisoned within that salary. And and that's what partly what you see, like you were open to leaving San, uh, San Francisco and going to the Central Valley. Um, do you feel like you've landed in another trap? Or was it, were you, may I ask, that's just what I'm asking is like, do you feel like, okay, here I'm, and here, I do hear you talking, like your life now really is at home with Cristal and thinking about bringing this child into the world. I do get hear that, but here in, in your work life, are you now just in another trap? Is that what's happened? I, I think so. I mean, the options are limited. You know, the, I, um, you know, like, I, I fight the urge to, you know, like, those voices inside my head, right? Is there something wrong with me? And I'm like, no, fuck no. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, you know, this is not okay. This, all this, we are slaves, right? Like, we're, we're, we're slaves. People, a lot of people who listen regularly know how I see the world. And like we, I do acutely see myself in that way. That you know, I am a slave, a wage slave. Uh, my options are limited, um, and I do feel that the walls are tighter. You know, because this place is very reg regimented. Uh, they're full of bureaucratic bullshit that is just um, symbolic in some ways. To be honest, uh, they just want to have a fallout. A fall or you know like a cable scapegoats you know i think that's what my position is you know they make me sign bullshit that doesn't make sense but obviously if shit goes wrong then i'm in fucking trouble you know and uh, you know because we're doing bureaucratic shit that involves the government um and so yeah in general it is another trap but like you know like by now i understand that it's full of traps <laughs> You know, it's like you got to keep hopping around, you know, and like until you find a place where you think you can rest until the next trap, you know, like um, especially now around COVID, uh, you know, like they, fortunately they're, they're not, you know, that that's the COVID vaccine thing, uh, pressures, harassment, uh, coercion is behind me a little bit in terms of like my job experience. Because even my last job, the salary job, they didn't ask for it. They didn't, we were coming out of that period of psychosis. Um, and so that hasn't been, I think, it, it's more of the normal trappings of being a worker. Uh, and like increasingly this new company, like as expected, right? They, they increase wages and they're starting to clamp down you know, on, on certain areas, you know, uh, maximize profit you know things that are very ridiculous um, like taking certain 
tools away uh, or they're quickly to fire people that get injured if it's their fault. Um, and so, yeah, it's just another trap. And like, I don't know, I, I think what's changed is my awareness of it and in like my own willingness to just subject, you know, to, to this is the way it is, you know, like, because I feel like a lot of people are conditioned, not just in this job, but in my last job where I used to try to talk to other restaurant managers, hey, like, is this normal? And it's like, yeah, that just comes with the job, working 10, 12 hours. It's just, they just accept it, you know? And yeah, but I think the traps are there and like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I'm just more aware of them. Then maybe, I guess the question I'd have from there is, how do you feel it's helped or how do you feel like this move has helped you? And Cristal, I'd like to hear from you. How the two of you in your relationship? Um, I imagine it wasn't very helpful to feel like you could be in a relationship in Bay Area when you're both miserable in that situation. Has it helped? Has it? How has it helped your relationship? And how? What's been the challenges of you know building a relationship? Like I, I think about me and Brandy when when we were getting married, which are not the stakes, but the pressure was there. And that pressure can, as we were as we were building up for the wedding, that pressure I know can create divisions. Um, in our case, that that pressure made us closer, um, and I'm glad about that. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is too personal a question to ask for what's left, but I am curious about it, and I am curious how you would both respond to the the kinds of pressures you're both because you're both under pressure, but different kinds of pressures, but yet you're sharing them because you're trying to do this together for your for each other and your daughter. I think a lot has changed. Um, I think, I mean, I know that having uh, a baby, uh, you know, coming has been a massive reason as to why a lot of that has changed. But I think during this time, you know, yeah, it could be also that we're in a different environment. I'm sure that also plays into it. But we... I think we've made tremendous strides in our relationship. Um, I think we are closer than ever. I think we understand each other better than ever. Uh, we have more capacity to uh, understand each other and to be good partners to each other, as well as hear like what we both need as individuals. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I agree with that. You know, like, despite me not being super happy in my job and like, you know, I think taking some of the other stressors off the table, like, you know, having to worry about housing or like seeing the entirety of our paycheck gone. <laughs> You know, not because like we're the responsible, whatever, like we literally weren't like we were just, it's just hard. And yeah, you know, we, we managed to like communicate more and like, just the fact that she doesn't have to work, like, you know, uh, we see each other more because if she had a different schedule than my, me, like, I think your parents did for a long time, right? Like they didn't see each other. Um, and like, we are also very much committed to the you know, like uh, our priority is us, our family, you know, and like we'll have to do whatever we have to do, you know, because, 
you know? even if that means not having a lot of money mm-hmm. that means not being able to you know redo our kitchen you know like we have other priorities and i think we having that sort of like alignment in our values and in what it is that we want in life is what will hopefully also create like a good environment for our daughter you know a safe place for her and a loving place for her and for us too yeah and i can i just want to tell you that 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 same thing you said kenny about kind of that that's about being the bread essentially the breadwinner and then the crystal being the the -hmm. wife at home and um uh, you know taking care of the kid, which the kid's not there yet, but that, that kind of, that actually is sort of how things are working out for me and Randy without us having a kid. We have a dog. So, but, um, but honestly, that is more and more, I would like it to be the possibility of Brandy moving away from, uh, to working less for us. So that, I mean, and she does organizing. I would like her to be able to do more of that. Um, And that's just the way it's been work. That's worked for us. I mean, we can't, we can't do that. But I feel like both of us would welcome her transitioning away from a formal job and me just using my job to bring income in. And then that would allow us to, I think, live a better life together, which is really what our life is about. Um, So I just want to say we're we're on the same boat for, you know, um, and also I I do I want to say having um, we, we interviewed J.D. and Jay, who were the people from the school. And I know Kenny, you, and I've met you, Crystal, but I f- honestly feel like even o- electronically, you both come across couple-wise as like those two, um, which I think is very much supporting each other and just like checking with each other. So I'm just, I'm very happy to hear that it's, it's helping you build things as opposed to, you know, it's all, it's all meant to crack us. All this stuff is meant to crack us and crack relationships and crack individuals. Um, and I'm really glad you've been able to find a way of helping turning into something stronger for you so that makes me happy it's been a road you know we've had our share of problems you know the stress Mm -hmm. got to us in different ways and like you know i think moving away like (laughs) honestly i think probably saved our relationship in a lot of ways yeah like because like yeah like you said it is meant to crack you and like you know uh, so I'm glad in that sense we are, you know, at a good place to have a kid and and, and give our kid a good chance to have a good home. Just putting this out there, if you ever need me to, uh, to call me to to organize, you know, I think there's always ways to still organize as parents. I used to tell Jonathan, my brother with his child, I used to say, you know, you can still organize with other fathers and other babies and still meet with them and talk about how you can raise your child in a healthy environment, you know? And now we're organizing that at school. You know, you don't have to keep your organizing life outside. You don't have, you know, you're organizing this now around your child, you know? And maybe it's not with the unhoused people you used to work with, Cristal, or Kenny, with immigrant families or people that you worked with before. It's now anything around your childhood i always think it's so i hope that you both still stay in in la lucha (laughs) right (laughs) whether you you said homeschooling so whether it's homeschooling and networking with other familias that are in the area and having 
you know, what I did, maybe at my house where I was working, I brought families here and then you do that with them. And, or you go to a school and you organize a collective of families so that they can speak for, uh, speak up for themselves, wherever it is. I, I hope, you know, you, I know it, I know it will happen. I'm just maybe just saying it and, uh, the light everywhere, bringing light wherever you are. I, I think that that's inevitable for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some way, you know, we're we're both opinionated or like just we just you know like have a way of seeing things and I think we've learned our lessons and like our, our kid obviously is like uh, it's our our mission now, you know, and and. But uh, at least for me, and I think for you too, like we understand that our kid can't grow in isolation, you know, and, yeah. and it means community, it means other kids, it, you know, and especially trying to go against the grain, you know, you need people to grow with you. Like, uh, and uh, we, we like, we hope we can find them and we're aware. That I hope so. We have to, and like, you know, like New other- relationships. Yeah, and exactly like where where it's like, you know, um, especially with the things that we we see coming, right? Like, yeah, uh, it's gonna take support, and we'll see where we find that, and yeah, keep going forward. Yeah, I've had to learn that myself. My educated friends suddenly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> moved I moved away from them to now different relationships and maybe you'll create a network of beautiful, wonderful relationships with those communities that are have parents that are working in the fields or in the same industry as you, Kenny, or yeah. other families. I imagine that so you're you haven't been there that long, so this is just you're just the beginning and you've certainly had a lot of things to attend to from the jump, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not easy, you know, like, yeah, a lot of things happen at once and uh, trying to settle and, yeah, hopefully, um, just hoping for the best, too, because I am aware that there's things out of our control, right? And, like, I don't want to be afraid of them, but, you know, like, I personally, not to be too somber, but, like, I work in that fucking factory and I know we have thousands of gallons of ammonia, you know, for cooling shit. You know, we have railroads here, you know, so that is is Palestine, you know, and like we hope for the best, right? But like also like I want to be aware that, you know, I don't want to be fucking blindsided by everything, you know, all at once. And so we do hope for the best and you know, there's still like there's been issues with water at times in different towns. You know, in terms of being contaminated because there is industrial farming, uh, and again, as the people of East Palestine learned, they can be uprooted in two seconds. You know, and and so again, preparing for the best. Yeah, senior. And maybe I'm curious if both of you would either. What are the sorts of things outside of? You know, Cristal preparing to be a mom, uh, Kenny preparing to be a dad and working at work. What are the sort of things you've been paying attention to in the world and just sort of uh, generally been those extra things we haven't really had a chance to discuss here? I'm curious what you've, what's gotten your attention. Um, mine has been just thinking and looking at Ukraine and Russia and 
that's just obsesses me. So I'm just kind of curious, what are the sorts of things that are really occupying your mind and time um, in these last few months? Well, I'm 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 in the similar train that you are. <laughs> I'm always checking that stuff, you know, like uh, kind of sort of the macro view of things. Um, you know, I keep up with the news, and like I was joking with her that I and my I make up sarcastic lines about the headlines that they they write <laughs> and laugh. Uh, see, I see the news as these tabloid magazines, right? Like people ridicule. Um, so I do try to keep up to see what's happening, listen to things in general, like, you know, Ukraine, the, uh, you know, China technology, uh, I go through an array of news. Um, um, I think that's, uh, you know, I've also been diving a little into the vaccine stuff, you know, the legality of it, because it's a nightmare here in California. Um, but yeah, I think. But uh, outside of that, I think that you know that's never going to change with me. <laughs> uh, but more than that, I think for me, the part that has given me like real grounding has been working on the home. You know, like I was say that. I, I I painted this whole house, the majority with her her. Uh, family helped uh but I'm, I'm painting the baby's room right now like one hour after work when i'm tired one hour after work and like i'm gonna go do that right now after this episode um you know that 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 gives me my space i listen to whatever the hell i want i i focus on a task you know and i create beauty and see the result of it without someone dictating or mediating how and why you know and so you know that that's kind of my combination of listening to the outside because I'm listening to the new you know, news and stuff. Well, focusing on, on something that gives me great, great joy, and because that's how I manage that stuff. Because obviously, it can be fucking depressing to just you know keep up with the world news. I think for me, I am have been utilizing this time as grounding time uh i think for the first time in years nobody's livelihood depends on me because i was doing organizing for a long time with migrants and like trans women and then from that i was doing the nonprofit work as well as some other organizing and then i just had like a lot of issues with my health like mental health and like also my physical health and so now here I am, I'm just nesting, I'm organizing, I'm building a home, I'm creating, you know, trying to create this home for, for us both and for our child to come. And it's felt really good to me to not have to do anything other than just, be. just exactly just be. And, you know, of course, like there's limits with that. Cause it's not like there's a lot of, you know, money we're dealing with, or, you know, a lot of like you know i don't know the things are are limited but it's also in unbelievably freeing to just be able to not have to be in survival mode and not have to deal with anything other than 
myself right now. Like I really needed that. Well, I mean, I think that's not the only questions for me, Eduardo. I don't know if you want to ask. I just appreciate you both. Crystal in particular, I really am glad you decided to join Kenny's return episode. Don't get used to it, folks. I think it's just going to be this one time for now. And we'll mm-hmm. see if we can pull him back later for something else. Um, mm-hmm. But I I think it was critical, Christoph, to have you here. And I'm really glad, glad that you uh, chose to join us on this. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and, you know, wanting to have me here. I, I It means a lot, especially because, like, I know how much this means to him and how important this is for him. And, you know, I know he'd be part of every episode if he could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And I think I might be back soon. Actually, I'm gonna switch. Uh, I'm supposed to switch to the daytime soon. So, oh, okay. if you're willing to record a little later, I might be able to join back. Because absolutely, this is important to me. Like this is therapy to me. It is. <laughs> you yeah. know, like and and so yeah. So that'll be I'll awesome. That'll be awesome. And we have. I'll just let you know we're interviewing JD specifically around her stuff around mid midwifery on March 30th. So I'm really looking forward to that episode, um, and uh, and I think I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's uh, you know, ironically or whatever, by pure luck, I think that a lot of what we've talked about in what's left it has given me a lot of preparations for being yeah. a parent. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, like dealing with the world that's that our child is coming into how to carve out a little freedom and autonomy within a system that I don't even know. But when, when all these people like JD and the woman that Jessica knows talking about literally before conception, the trap is being set for a child. And then the whole process the mother goes through is, is described as a prison, like, and really bad, you know, like, like, I don't know the whole story, but the way that, even just to hear JD talk about it that way, it's like, whoa, damn, that's intense. Yeah. And I shouldn't be surprised, but because it's that's the system. But it somehow it I'm constantly being reminded of how every place is a trap. Yeah. yeah. Full cycle of life is <laughs> yes. It's like the what is it? the Lion King. But really bad story. <laughs> it's not as uplifting. You, you even have to pay rent when you go to the grave, where someone has to. <laughs> yeah. Um, Eduardo, any last thoughts? No, no. I appreciate you know having Cristal on as well. I mean, it's not very easy to have to come online and to be seen by. A lot of people <laughs> that watch us or listen to us, so it's always uh, it's always cool that people could come on and feel comfortable with us. And it's always nice to have Kenny back. I know people have been asking about where's Kenny. Your name lives up to your name from. Where's Kenny? <laughs> That's from South Park. Something yeah, similar. <laughs> Who killed Kenny? Who killed Kenny? <laughs> Who killed Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's now, not dead. He's alive. The chicken factory is trying to kill him. But exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like you know, some people at work say, uh, "You know, you're a slave to the chicken now." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right. Well, let's let's conclude and just stay with us for a minute or so, and then I'll, we'll say goodbye. <clears throat> all right. So, well, that does it for this week's episode. Uh, What's Left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where we found this episode or on our blog at whatsleftpodcast.com. Um, you can find past episodes to this podcast podcast channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you have heard here, please subscribe, <clears throat> rate, view, turn on your notifications to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. And you can find any uh, find our blog and any of those links in the episode notes where you found this uh, if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host Jessica, Kenny Cepeda, and, and Kenny Cepeda. <laughs> it's always the end that I'm not used to now suddenly because of Kenny, but Kenny's back. And thank you so much for having us, uh, for being with us, Kenny, and please talk very much. So thank you. Thank you. See you next time. Ciao. <laughs>